And now, brought to you by Guru Energy Drinks. Good energy, smart organics. www.guruenergy.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I'm Ted Cluck. He is Zach Bartles. And this, Zach, is a special uh, Saturday episode, man. Kind of a Saturday recording uh, sesh here. So things are things feel a little bit different. I'm at the home studio uh, with my lady. She's uh, she's such a huge fan of the program. She wanted to be uh, here here in the studio while, while the magic happened, so to speak. She wanted and, to be able uh, to listen to it later and be like, that's my chair making all that noise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of excitement in that, I think, for the listeners. So, you know, it's uh, it's it's good to have her here. Um, how's your Saturday, baby? How's your uh, how was your Thanksgiving? Man, I can sum it up with a little song. You want to hear it? Yeah, do that. I would love that. When Cameron was in Egypt's land, <laughs> let my Cameron go, dude. What in the world? Dude, haven't you seen uh, freaking Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I have, but I, I, yeah, again, I think you've you've seen these movies many more times than I have, <laughs> and, and probably much more recently. So, so the sort of obscure parts that you that you revel in, I, I sometimes don't uh, don't don't get as readily as you do. Well, there's there's uh, this guy who um, Cameron Fry, who's who's Ferris's uh, uncool best no, friend. I, I know Cameron. Yeah, and he, I, I, that's I he first introduces. Uh, we're introduced to him while he while he sings that, and uh, his kind of main. Uh, attribute that kind of sums him up is that he's addicted to nasal spray. Yes, that's right. And that also uh, is me at the moment. I get I get very addicted really? to nasal spray when I have a cold. Yeah. Um. And and I get uh, what, what my mother, uh, the nurse, calls a rebound congestion, where you're like mm. you're done with the cold, mm-hmm. but then you have to come down from the nasal spray like a you know like oh, a heroin man. addict. Dude, the decadence. I mean, <laughs> you know, the the addictions. It's uh, it, it's not all fun and games in media, folks. Um, so yeah, so of course your, your Cameron reference, I should have picked right up on oh, yeah. the it fact that it, it, an obscure 1980s character was also addicted to nasal spray. And I should have made that leap that that's <laughs> kind of what you were dealing with in your own life. So my bad, man, forgive. So basically we went to Tim's, which was tons of fun. Oh, uh, dude, Timothy's fine tobaccos had a cigar on, on gut check, by the way. So yeah. thanks gut yeah. check. Um, but, uh, in doing so, I also was like horribly sick and stuffed up. So it wasn't all mm-hmm. that enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, there, there's nothing worse than smoking a cigar when you're when you're congested like that. That's that's no fun, man. How was your Thanksgiving, sir? Dude, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, my folks came down, so uh, folks were were here at Gut Check South, and uh, yeah, it was fun. Just watched a lot of football and uh, and hung out with the with the fam. It was very low key, so uh, yeah, we're we're loving life, man. Awesome. Yeah, good to be uh, good to be recording. And uh, baby, what are we what are we talking about today? By the way, we we need to thank Guru. We need to thank our uh, our fabulous energy drink sponsor, uh, Guru Energy, for uh, for supplying us with um, garages full of uh, of Guru product, which uh, which we've been enjoying. Uh, Zach, are you are you drinking a Guru today? Have you had one? I have had one. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm which, not which drinking one at four to? in the afternoon. Yeah, I had a uh, passion fruit energy water. Ooh, nice. Do you, do you like that one? Yeah, that's that, that's definitely up there. There's only one that I'm not a huge fan of. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't know if we're with a sponsor if you're supposed to say this, but I guess this makes it uh, clear that I'm not 
I'm not just, uh, blowing you're smoke. You're not with the just other a ones. corporate shill, you know. Right? Yeah. So you can believe me fully when I say I love the other ones, but the lime one. There's something about it, and I think maybe it's because we're all used to drinking lemon lime, kind of like yeah. really, really, really uh, watered down, kind of. Yeah. 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 And, and this yeah. is full on lime. I mean, this tastes like you're kind of drinking a lime. <laughs> Dude, it is. It's, it's like somebody squeezed a lime into like some some carbonated uh, beverage, and that's what you're drinking. I I actually had one of those today, and uh, and they're growing on me, man. The limes are are growing on me. So, well, and don't uh, get me wrong, I will drink all of them. Oh, most definitely, man. Yeah, there will not be a a drop of guru left uh, left in in the gut check empire for, to to go on un, uh, unconsumed. Um, so baby, we've got, uh, we've got a few things to talk about today, man. And I want to, I want to start right away with something that, uh, that you're a little tweaked about, man. Something <laughs> just kind of in our culture and our nation's vernacular, if you will. Uh, you and I are both word men. Uh, we, we both, uh, make our, our living in the world of letters and, uh, it bothers you this trend of kind of middle-aged to old suburban white people using kind of, uh, kind of urban turns of phrase, does it not? It, it does, and, and you know, it, it's an odd thing, and it's a, probably a sensitive thing to talk about for some reason. Dude, but very like, sensitive. I, I feel on edge right now. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, I, I want you, you to put me at ease with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may actually do the opposite. Let me just tell you this. This okay. is what happened. I saw okay. some, like one of those morning news shows, which I haven't seen in just years, and I can't believe they're still yeah. on. Which are the worst, by the yeah. way. Like, yeah, not even just, news. You know what I'm yeah. talking about, right? No, yeah, yeah. Like, like hey, good morning, Bay City. You know, that right. kind of show. Yeah. This was a national one. Okay. And a middle-aged, just ridiculous, like, Barbara Waltersy white woman mm -hmm. used the term a little something-something. Oh, like S-U-M-P-I-N apostrophe s-u-m-p-i-n apostrophe i was thinking more like s-u-m-p apostrophe m oh some <laughs> some bum. oh yeah you're right oh that's even worse baby <laughs> say, so it sorry happened, say it again say it again some bum. yeah <laughs> baby listen i'm so sorry you had to go through that man. you know and it really got me just thinking about i mean this has been going on for a long long time it really has. And it I don't really have a problem with, you know, terms from all different subcultures becoming mainstream. I, I mean, that's just no. going to happen, and it does, all I, the time. But, I think I mean, you take umbrage with, uh, umbrage. Well, I take umbrage. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you take, take umbrage with is, uh, is, is who uses the terms, you know, and, and, yeah. and how they're used. I feel like when this happens, that, like, it's embarrassing for white people as a whole because yeah. just like, you know, like the new grandma. Like Wearing I, tight jeans, yeah. you know. Don't yeah. do that, you know. I mean, just, just it, it's, it's not even, it's not even like a racial thing. I don't, I don't care what, you know, Dude, young no, people not, use young people terms. But like when, when these kind of urban. Uh, you know what it is? It's a, it's a, and I think this is a societal thing. I think it's a refusal to grow old gracefully. You know what I mean? I suppose, yeah. It's a refusal to acknowledge that you're getting older, um, and I think it transcends just these turns of phrase and, and it's fashion and, you know, uh, parenting and all these other things that, you know, that kind of fall under that umbrella. But uh, but, yeah, it is egregious, isn't it? I mean, isn't it awful when, you know, and these these morning news shows are, are literally the worst, aren't they? They, they mean, do make me wish that everyone was dead. Yes, they do. They They make you wish that, like, the asteroid from the movie uh, Armageddon <laughs> or Deep uh, Impact, either one. Yeah, it makes you wish that like Bruce Willis hadn't 
you know, sacrificially <laughs> in a Christ figure sort of way, gone and like blown it up, sacrificing it, his own life, and he had just let it hurtle into the earth, you know? <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this a little bit, though, in, in, as I was waiting for, you know, with bated breath for the appointed time to get together here. Yeah. And I think I may have found where it started. Okay. And that would be with uh, Carmen, the singer Carmen. You remember him? Uh, yes, I absolutely remember Carmen. Carmen's okay. debut album, 1982's Some O Dat. Oh, no. Baby, are you kidding? That was I the end of his, his debut record in 82. Some O Dat. And, and I'm thinking, like, he is kind of, he is the personification of this phenomenon. This like Dude, he's totally the personification. So, I mean, this is blowing my mind for a number of reasons, but the... the 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 most noteworthy of which is that I always assumed that Carmen had like a an early career arc that just saw him as sort of like a a standard greaseball crooner. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah, like and a I, lounge singer. Well, yeah, I thought he didn't start dabbling in like hip hop and stuff until like the the early '90s, like the Purple Jacket phase. Yeah, like after everything else kind of petered out, he was like, "Well, I could try yeah. putting on a puffy jacket." But you're telling me that he like immediately started co-opting these urban terms. Yeah, from the from the get go, and he was a young man then, and he oh. was like, you know what? Here's my album, Some Odat. You're all grown up now. Oh yeah, you're all grown up now. <laughs> Grows up and you're grown up and you're grown up. I would never eat here. And, and I remember in like the the mid '90s, hearing like you know uh, the the most like, like the uh, people who are as white as me and just as uncool and and kind of dorky as me saying yeah. unironically. You yeah. go, girl, or bling, yes. or booty yeah. call. Yeah, yeah. These things they just they trickle into kind of white culture, and then they get used horribly. You know, they and, get and ruined. Just, yeah, dude, it just brings down all of mankind. I think. You know what I mean? Like, and I white... can't think it helps race relations. If I was black, I would be angry about this because it's it's just it's like a slap in the face. Dude, it really is. Yeah, I mean, it's like seeing your, you know, your your thing get you know completely butchered or whatever. After uh, we've already taken like jazz and done it badly, and then taken hip hop and done it badly, <laughs> now we're just going to take your words, you know? Right. right. We're going we're to take everything that you've ever done and redo it just really badly, <laughs> and that will honor you somehow. Right. You know? that, that will assuage my uh, my conscience over yeah. like the horrible things that have happened. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Will assuage our collective suburban conscience over you know. Never interfacing with with urban America in any other way, except to use the phrases and to use them really badly. Yeah, dude. If I hear one more person say "bay," I literally am going to kill someone. Dude, now, yeah, the whole "bay" thing just kind of that kind of escaped me, man. Is that is that sort of like an online thing? You know, I what guess I mean? so. Yeah, I think it's more like a Twitter hashtag oh. type thing. Yeah, I completely missed that, man. Is that more just like high school girl, or is that urban? I I think it started with like in, in like a mainstream rap song or something where someone was like, you know what needs to be shortened? The word babe, because it's too long. So let's make it one syllable instead of one syllable and take dude, one letter out of it. Dude, it's really relaxing, though, when you take out that other B. <laughs> I just don't like to make that B sound. I feel like it just saves it saves so much more energy. On the Sabbath, I, I don't use that B. Yeah, that's right. It's a restful thing, you know? <laughs> Shabbat. Dude, I don't think that's actually what it means. I think it's it's an acronym for something, isn't it? I I don't think it is. I think that's a I think it's a backronym where somebody went ahead and and decided mm. after the fact. But who knows? I don't know. I I the less some, I know about this stuff, the better, it, Ted. Maybe maybe Dak Heller could write in and clear that up for us, man. Dak, I feel, do it, man. I, I feel like we're corresponding with Dak Heller every week. Maybe he could just write in and kind of clear this this issue up for us. <laughs> <laughs> 
That would be fat. That would be dope if he would do that. Now, that brings something up, Ted. You and I will both occasionally, like, ironically use some of these terms. Yeah. I say something's dope, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to actually co-op the term. I'm, like, saying it in a way that's like, ha-ha, look how cool I'm not, and I'm saying the word. Or, yeah, or you say I, fresh sometimes. Yeah. But, but we're bringing attention to how not cool we are in, in doing that. You know what I and, mean? On purpose. I mean, the, the middle-aged newscasters are bringing attention to that as well. Yeah. But uh, in, in kind of a, a naive and clueless way. Dude, you know what makes me so sad about those morning shows is that there's always like there's always a black guy on those shows. You know what I mean? Like in a, in a suit, like as part of the, the, the crew, like the hosting, you know, uh, uh, collective or whatever. And, and, you know, it must just kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he has to pretend that these people are kind of fun and funny and yeah, and have their like, finger on the pulse of the culture. Yeah, he can't completely like eviscerate them on the air. Although that would be sure, awesome, wouldn't it? It would know, be great, you know. <laughs> and often, often the the black guy is like an ex NFL player who could literally like, you know, destroy all of them with one like you know sweep of his arm. But uh, <laughs> it's so it takes a lot of self control, man. You know, before we move on from this, I have one more yeah. little kind of layer to it, okay. and that is that it doesn't bother me in the least mm-hmm. when it goes the other way. Okay. For example, um, I, I was I was thinking of different terms, and the term uh, that I, I've heard a lot, I, I kind of overhear stuff from the, yeah. the young kids at the church, mm-hmm. um, and I don't try and interact with them on any kind of slang level, uh, but right. I just kind of absorb. Uh, right. And and I've been hearing the word basic. Basic. Uh, yes, I've heard that from my students. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, well, yeah. probably not at Union University where people are very holy, but it's often also appended with a word that starts also with B and and is a yeah. derogatory term. Right. Yes. And yeah. and it occurred to me that that is is taken from perhaps the whitest, most Gen X, uh, very gentrified film of all time. And I think okay. you know where I'm going with this. I do. I'm talking about Diane Court. Yes. Oh, Diane Court, man. She called him basic, and then she was mortified. Dude, she did call him basic. Now, is that where everybody's getting it? Because I, I feel like there's not a, there's not like a widespread uh, appreciation for that movie, though there should be because it's you know one of the greatest of all time. Um, I don't think he... there's an actual continuity there, but no, there is. She was first. Yeah, she was first. She was she was very much first. So. Yeah, and if Lloyd Dobler's basic, man, I'll I'll be basic all day long. Yeah, who know? wants to be complex? Yeah, who wants to be complex if that's basic? You know, it's so. kickboxing, sport of the future. Good yeah. grief, man! That, Don that, the Dragon Wilson. If you the heroes, this, I can tell by your face that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic, man. Classic. And now, one more question. Yeah, throw it. English, and this is I'm coming to you as an academic. Yeah. And I want your I want you to sort this out for me. The mm-hmm. English language. Is I mean one of the reasons it's difficult to learn is it's an amalgamation of I mean it's not just Anglo-Saxon modernized it's you know yeah. kind of this montage of or or, or menagerie of, of Latin mm-hmm. and and Greek and Germanic mm-hmm. languages and French tons mm-hmm. of French and Spanish mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. is is there anything different about you know this you know these modern kind of uh, cultural phrases being kind of grabbed and pulled into the mainstream language. Um, Am I just making something of nothing, or is this actually a different, uh, unique phenomenon? You know, it, it would be interesting to see if if this is happening in other cultures. You know what I mean? To see if, like, you know, the French have these, you know, turns of phrase that that uh, 
you know, that come out of inner city Paris or whatever that people in the country start <laughs> using, you know. Um, well, you I lived there. A, did you see any of that happening? I, I did live there. And to be honest, I mean, I, I didn't notice a lot of that. Um, although, you know, not being a native French speaker, it would have, it would have, you know, it kind of put us at a disadvantage, but, but yeah, you know, in, in when I was hanging out with the guys with a, with the football players or whatever, which, you know, they were pretty accurate cross section of urban and, and rural and everything in between. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't sense a lot of that, man. Uh, I think that that might be a distinctly American thing, you know, to, to sort of come up with these things and then butcher them a few years later. Yeah. We're, we're not even coming up with them. That's the thing. It's right. like, it's right. like being too lazy to come up with a thing. So, uh, to, to take it and there, there, somebody's writing a white paper right now or, or a thesis mm. or a dissertation mm. about mm -hmm. this as like a microcosm of, of more grievous things that have happened in the past. Dude, um, hopefully they are. I, actually, probably as a response to our program, somebody's writing a, a 900 word paper because that, that seems to be the way of it lately. Did you, uh, did, did you hear about the homeschooling uh, kerfuffle on the, the other podcast that I'm a part of? I did. I did hear the most recent episode that's out. I, I remind me of what the kerfuff was. Well, this uh, we, we often read reviews on the air, which is something that uh, that we should do again soon. Um, but we we were reading a review. It was a it was a very very warm review. It was a five star. Uh, but then uh, the the guy tacked on to the end, homeschooling saves lives, or mm. homeschool saves lives, and. You know, as as is to be expected, we had a little chuckle about it on the air because you know you don't you don't dangle that kind of thing out and then not expect to get it laughed at on the air. <laughs> you know? So uh, so he dangled it out. We laughed at it, uh, thinking that would be the end of it. But then you know, in true reform fashion, this guy wrote like a nine hundred word response to it. So really, as to why? As to, well, yeah, absolutely. As to why, in fact, homeschool did save lives. So it was very very educational. <laughs> Let, let me. So. I wonder if if I could give my my observation of of the happy rant as of late. You know what? Listen to me. You can do whatever you want because this is your program. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to remind you whose program this is. Well, <laughs> I, and I I just I I want your permission uh, because okay, okay. permission granted. All right, and you don't you don't need to comment on this at all. Okay. But I have noticed that okay. the kind of if you were to make a pie chart. Of yeah. how much each host is talking, like red okay. is is Ted, <laughs> green is Barnabas, and blue yeah. was Stephen L. Trogi, right? Yeah, I think yeah. you would have had a pr like like a one third, one third, one third pie. Yeah, um, for the most part. Do you think? Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, especially Yours... near the end. You know, right? I, I feel it was a good, yeah, it was a good, a good even distribution right at the end. We got a good, you know, a good kind of vibe going there was a while there where you would have had a smaller piece just because sure. you were kind of engrossed in your mail yes um, yeah I, I had a lot of interesting mail at that <laughs> at that time in my life <laughs> but uh i think if you would make them of the more recent episodes i i have to yeah. say that i think uh ronnie martin would <laughs> would have a much larger piece of the pie than either you or uh, mr piper yeah i know man I'm, I'm kind of back to opening the mail aren't i <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I throw a question out there, and then I open like thirty minutes of mail, and then I speak again. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of the way of it. Hey, you want to hear uh, a uh, you want to hear a Ronnie Martin story from this morning? Certainly, that would my, be great. My son and I are putting up uh, Christmas lights around mm -hmm. the door, which we always do. Yeah. And uh, I had some some CDs going. I was rocking some really old um, tooth and nail stuff. Okay. Happy Christmas and Happy Christmas Volume Two, which is like Christmas songs done like really hard, like by MXPX yeah. and Plank Eye and Lost Dogs right, and stuff. Right. 
And so we're listening to this. Calvin's loving it. Sure. And then on comes Lollipop Parade by the Joy Electric. Okay. And so all of a sudden, like, the, the, the kind of thick growling guitar fades out, and the next tra- mm-hmm. track starts, and it's like... And, and I go, Calvin, this is my friend Ronnie singing. Do you like this? Uh-huh. And he goes, hmm. <laughs> He yeah, said, that's yeah. all he said. He said, hmm, like H, like HM, period. Yes. Hmm. Or and question I said, mark. I go, you don't like it as much? He goes, well, I like the laser sounds. <laughs> Dude, I love it, man. I love it. There's a there's an honest critique from a from a child. Dude, that's fantastic. No, I mean, I, I, I think of the happy rant where, you know, we're, we're still kind of feeling our way through this new, uh, you know, this, this new lineup. So, I mean, it's sort of like when a... You know, when a band reconfigures and, uh, you know, everybody needs to sort of find their role again. And uh, and, and I think right now my role is to say uh, almost nothing on, <laughs> on each episode. That, that seems to sort of be my role right now. Now, Ted, is there going to be a new intro that, that acknowledges the absence of Stephen and the presence <laughs> of Ronnie? Dude, you know what? This is a this is an ongoing, you know, behind the scenes kind of conversation within the Happy Rant. So uh, internally, we've been having this uh, this dialogue, and uh, and yeah, without without divulging too much, uh, you can you can look for a new uh, a new intro song here real soon, man. Hopefully is, by the next step. Are you bringing the Went Wanit back? <laughs> now, Zach, you know me. I mean, you don't even have to ask. You know that I would love to bring the 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 Went back. But you I only mean, have one vote, yeah. No, yeah, I only have one vote, and and as you can tell by listening to the program, I mean my, you know, my vote is very short and, uh, <laughs> and abbreviated. So you had a smaller ballot than anyone else. I have a, I have a, I have a tiny little ballot, and, so. and it gets lost amidst your mail. Yeah, it gets lost amidst all the mail that I'm opening on the air, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, my tiny little ballot would feature the tiny little words uh, "want one on." Maybe, maybe you know what? Maybe it'll be like a, an electronica "want one on." You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah, like a burgundy "want one on." That would be nice, man. That would be really nice. So, you know what? We'll we'll just have to. Even though I'm a part of the program and and on the inside of these discussions, you know your your guess is as good as mine, baby. We'll have to just see how that plays. So. Dude, you know what I'm getting excited about? What are you getting excited about? Uh, Gut Check Project that's uh, going to be available oh. in, in about three weeks. Dude, I am so stoked because in, in true Gut Check fashion, I feel like all the books that we've written that have that have been really fun and that have done really well, they've just kind of come together. I'll use the word. It's it's cliche and it's it's worn out. But the word organic, you know, like we're just tossing emails back and forth. And then before you know it, you got, you know. 40,000 words and, uh, and the thing, the thing's done basically, but we've gotten, uh, essays, contributions from some other, uh, notables within Christian media. Uh, the church curmudge, uh, has sent something in, uh, the great Frank Turk, who's a friend of the company. Um, and, uh, and our boy Cliff Graham. Who, We're waiting can, on Cliff Graham, actually. Waiting on Cliff Graham, who's probably like, you know, neck deep in, in the blood of, you know, things that he's killed right now. So the who heathen. can blame him? Really, well, here's the thing. Know. I keep getting texts from him that are like, oh, you know, just I need one more day. I'm sorry about that. I hate to be that guy. And I'm like, this is a weird situation for me to be in where, like, the New York Times bestselling, like, you know, alpha male is, like, uh, asking me for extensions. And so mm, I keep yeah. kind of just granting them in a way that kind of uh, feels like I'm, I've got some authority in the situation or something. Actually, though, I mean, vis-a-vis authority and vis-a-vis, like, the power dynamics in the relationship isn't... 
I mean, wouldn't it be that he's just sort of the one stringing us along? I suppose, yeah, he does have the power, I guess, in yeah, this You situation. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it really, if we were exercising our power, we would say, you, you can stick your extension, you know, and, uh, and, and we'll do the book without you. <laughs> you know? Which not, clearly though? is not a thing that we're going to do. Yeah, right. Because he would hunt us down and kill us and and, <laughs> for sport. Ha- and and serve us for Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? <laughs> he would put us in his basement freezer. You know the the you know the big the oblong freezers that you have in the basement, and then uh, and we would get served. Gut check, but, Wellington. Yeah, he gut check Wellington exactly. <laughs> wow, that got dark. Yeah, well, uh, you know, dark dark is is uh, kind of within our wheelhouse. I think. You know uh, what? Though we're excited, folks, to have Cliff Graham. Uh, on board and and in the project and by on board we mean we're excited to wait around for his essay (laughs) dude even just waiting around for cliff's essay is as as exciting as getting an essay from someone else you know what i mean i'm with you there yes the anticipation is is sweet it really is exciting it really is uh but all kidding aside the book the book is going to be very exciting and i think very useful don't you baby heck yeah heck yeah I, I keep going through it, and I keep thinking like there, there's not much that we're missing here. Uh, I yeah. know that people are going to nail us on on Amazon. Certain kinds of people for being like, you know, I still don't know how to you know submit my files to the the printer <laughs> or whatever. And and there are going to be people, yeah. people who can't get their mind around the fact that a thin little book like this is going to be principles and and kind of guidance. Um, yeah. But people who get gut check are going to love this book, and I think it's funny. In parts, yeah. I think it's it's just really useful in parts. And honestly, this is so corny and cliched as well. But I mm-hmm. feel like I wish we would have had this book to read when we started Gut Check. No, dude, I totally do, man. I absolutely wish we had had this book to read. I think it would have saved us some uh, some heartache and some bumps and bruises along the way. But uh, but I'm happy to be able to give this book to other people. And I think uh, I think it'll help people get their books published, which is a, a really cool thing, man. Are we gonna uh, are we gonna talk about the new Chaz Marriott uh, cover photo on Twitter? Dude, we should talk about that. I, I mean, uh-uh. is it ethical that what he did? Uh, you know, Chaz, I, I feel like kind of works in these in these murky ethical gray areas. Zach, I feel like Chaz is a guy who kind of he's comfortable moving in that world, you know, and um, doing things that you and I wouldn't feel necessarily comfortable doing. But, That's why uh, he exists. <laughs> that, is why, that is why he exists in a weird way, isn't it? Um, so why don't you explain what, what uh, Chaz has done? It looks to me like what he did is he went on Michael Hyatt's Twitter account. Oh, my goodness. And then he copied Michael Hyatt's cover mm. page from his Twitter account. Uh-huh. And, then, and then he opened it up in MS Paint. Okay. Uh, and kind of really, really sloppily... Replace the words um, Michael Hyatt on on the little customized pad of paper. With Almost the, like he didn't spend a lot of time on it. It you really know? doesn't look like he spent much time at all thinking kind it through or executing it. But it's almost like that was a part of the joke too. You it know what I mean? It sort of seems like, like it was done as as slapdash as possible. Yeah, exactly. With like a really crappy font that gets really blocky when it gets bigger. <laughs> That's right. And it says Chaz Marriott, uh, social media expert, with that like nine so- exclamation points. That is that is so Chaz, man. That guy, I you tell know, you. After the the uh, end of his the the premature really ending of his his uh, podcast business and all that, Chaz, I was excited to hear mm. that uh, he's got that new one coming out called "That's So Chaz." I, I'm excited as well, and uh, and you know what? I wonder what Chaz did for Thanksgiving. I feel like I should have. I really dropped the ball because I was going to invite him over, and uh, <laughs> things just got crazy, and and you know we didn't have any room around the table. But um, I'm guessing that the uh, beverage of choice was probably his uh, tears. 
<laughs> probably, probably. Uh, again, you could follow him at Chaz Marriott. You can get his uh, his wonderful business book, Mega, Get Noticed All the Time for Everything, uh, on Amazon and other online retailers. Did you see that Chaz posted a, a tweet recently? Yeah, I, I didn't. I haven't. I haven't been on Chaz's Twitter feed in a while. What are, What are we looking at? What's odd about Chaz is that even though you know when you read his book, it would uh-huh. sound like he would tweet like four hundred thousand times a day. Sure. He's only tweeted somewhere like forty one times that I can find. You know that's funny. I, I think Chaz is going through some personal things right now, so that that might be the reason for the for for less tweeting. So he wrote, uh, and I think this is inspiring, uh, and okay. it kind of, and I think this is, yeah, this was on Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, it says hashtag find the upside. Gaining weight from lonely binging on hot pockets gives me increased <laughs> hashtag gravitas. Oh. Hashtag Chaz wisdom. Oh, Chaz. So that's what he was up to. He was finding the upside in, in some of the, the kind of life's downward turns. You know, he he will get real like that. You know what I mean? He'll <laughs> he'll have he'll have some moments of of, of just realness and uh and you know, it kind of demystifies uh it, it demystifies Chaz a little bit, but you know, you what you get is what you get. He's a he's the genuine article, as they say. <laughs> you know? The 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 veil kind of falls more and more, I find. The you know? the veil falls. Now, baby, can I uh can I in- inconvenience you to send me yet again um re-raptured? I'll do it, man. Okay. Hey, do you think people miss us reading the the tweets? The uh, Rachel Held Evans tweets? Yeah, or for a while there, we were thinking about reading some Michael Hyatt tweets. You know, I, I miss let's, doing... Uh, let's pop open those Twitter feeds and see if there's anything funny real, real quick here. All right. Dude, but yeah. speaking of uh, reading tweets and, and the frequent Walken voice, yeah, my son Calvin is now doing Christopher Walken impression pretty frequently. Oh, that's fantastic. We were getting uh, some chicken fries, which is something that he eats, which I think is gross, uh-huh. um, through the, the Burger King drive through yeah, and we were both doing a walk-in voice, and and the the college clerk was super unimpressed, so we just doubled down on it. It was hilarious. That's awesome. We were like the chicken fries. Do they come <laughs> with ranch dip? <laughs> and ranch Kelvin dip. was doing it too. It was so funny, dude. That's great. Uh, let's see. Nothing, nothing funny on uh, RHE's feed here. Yeah, Michael. I believe it. Hi, Ed. You know this. This is more just sad than than funny. Um, Sad is sometimes funny. It's a bunch of stuff about how I organize Evernote. Uh, like, I, stuff like that. I don't know. I, I do that. Yeah? I actually kind of made a note, to, a mental note to check that out after we get off here. Confused by Evernote? Read this post. How <laughs> I organize Evernote. A peek inside my personal system. Wow. Hey, yeah. Ted, uh, while you're closing that... Uh, let me take a moment to to do something we've never done before, which is to uh, welcome some new members to the Gut Check Army who just joined. Baby, let's do it. Let's welcome people to the fold. And uh, and are you sending me our our manuscript? Sent so it a while can... ago, man. Okay. Did you let get me. It? Uh, well, I'm just going there, but uh, but yeah, welcome away, man. All right, we got uh, Travis Miller. Trav. Trav. Travi. Travi. He's not Big T. You're Big T. He can be like like. Lowercase t, uh, medium t, medium t, travel medium t. Wait, <laughs> wait, uh, Mark We're now, right? <laughs> <laughs> we got Mark Norwood, Mark, Marky Woody. Mark, <laughs> and then finally, do you think it's going to be a, a girl? 
Uh, I don't know. I hope so. I bet so. it's not. Okay. Uh, this is going to be Daniel Chapel. Danny. I, I say Chapel instead of <laughs> D Chap instead of Chappelle because he spells it like Brian Chapel, the great preacher, with oh, two nice. P's and two L's. So uh, welcome to the three of you. Um, you joined the ranks of uh, very, very brave and uh, honorable men and women. And you know what? A special welcome to Constance Doyle as well. <laughs> Connie. Kind of a re-welcome. Kind of a re-welcome. A re-colon a welcome. Re-colon re, re welcomed. Baby, that reminds me of our fabulous novel, Re-Raptured, which I now have open uh, in front of me here at uh, the Gut Check Home Studio. Um, and we are on week three or four of a, uh, a 35-week literacy month. Uh, Gut Check Literacy Month, you can, you can find the uh, ribbon, the lapel ribbon for Gut Check Literacy <laughs> Month uh, at gutcheckpress.com. And, and the way uh, we're doing it is we're, we're just we're, – it's a 35-day month. Uh, which which is something that happens in the the Hebrew lunar calendar when they have to correct every so often. Yeah, it's sort of uh, like the Mayan Hebrew calendar, you know. <laughs> and we're just taking one day of that month and doing it every week. So <laughs> exactly, you know, it's kind of a complicated thing. Don't think about it too much. But it's all it's all laid out in in uh, Jonathan Kahn's latest book. <laughs> it's, it's a blood moon thing. You wouldn't it's really. It's a blood moon kind of Mayan Hebrew, <laughs> Aztec. You Keep, know, in keeping with the Mayan elements to this book. Absolutely. You know, and, and what we have here, uh, if you're not familiar with Re-Raptured, I really wish you were familiar with it, meaning I wish you bought it. Um, but what this is, this is, a, this is an end times thriller. Um, it's a, a dispensational thriller, if you will. And we've got a lot of characters that we're introducing uh, in these early chapters. And we're, Zach, we're about to tee up uh, chapter three, uh, which is called Ironsides is more than just a cool sounding name. He still drinks Sanka, which is a sick coffee substitute product that comes in a can and is sold wherever you can buy work gloves and oil filters. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Reverend Lewis Ironsides is, is that even though he is the successful self-published author of a book entitled Exactly How to Look and Exactly What to Say If You Want to Marry My Daughter, Carol Ann, <laughs> which was the first and heretofore only release from Ironsides' small publishing company called Head of the Household Press, or H-O-T-H-P. <laughs> Hoff. Hoff. Logo, the ship Ironsides, which Lewis Ironsides thinks is pretty cool. And aside, uh, Ted, it's okay to, to turn that one into a pronounceable word, but don't do that with the uh, ASFL. No, that's right. Hoff is okay for the radio. ASFL is not. <laughs> it was part of a spate of books that spawned a new Christian literary genre called Controlling Father Lit. He thinks the name of the genre is condescending and uncharitable. <laughs> But so the thing about the Sanka is that it allows Ironsides to feel grizzled in blue collar, even though he is in many ways the kind of pampered, middle-class, comfortable pastor he used to smugly look down on. But here's the other thing. He secretly really likes it. The comfort, not the Sanka. He likes having paid off his half-ton Chevy Silverado, and he likes the fact that he's paying cash for Carol Ann's classes at the Christian Liberal Arts College that he feels isn't conservative enough. <laughs> He's planning a sequel entitled How to Arrange Your Daughter Carol Ann's Marriage Without Looking Like You're Trying to Arrange Her Marriage. <laughs> Carol Ann isn't, liter isn't a literal character, per se, he says, trying to sound thoughtful on a radio interview that isn't actually a radio interview, rather a podcast, which Ironside Skyped into. She's more of a pastiche of any number of single, <laughs> vulnerable Christian girls. He Googled the word pastiche right before the show. <laughs> He had to download and configure Skype earlier that day and, as a result, never fixed his computer's webcam 
in such a way as to not make his neck look fat. <laughs> he obsessed about that for weeks. Right. He's also the kind of guy who tells people that it was a radio interview, even though it was just a podcast. I oh, feel like I've done that before. That's a little close to home, actually. Oh. It really is. Yeah. I mean, they say to write what you know, you know, which <laughs> I, I think is what we did in this book. Yeah. Until you get to like the exploding people and stuff. Yeah. Yes, that's right. It isn't about arranged marriage, he tells the interviewer. It's more a situation where a Christian father is there through every step of the courtship process, including, but not limited to, interviewing male suitors and rejecting certain suitors based on a variety of factors, including, but not limited to, height, broadness of shoulders, income, theology, and extended family. I reject the notion that what I'm doing is arranging marriages. I call it just being involved. (laughs) Ironsides has been celebrated in conservative churches throughout most of the Mid-South, where his message of ultra-involvement has been described as, quote, a breath of fresh air (laughs) by an enthusiastic audience of middle-aged men with teenage daughters. Ironsides thinks Carol Ann is wasting her, meaning his, money taking (laughs) college courses. We're just going to skip that step completely, he tells her one evening as she pours over a biology uh, text. Which step is that again? She asks, yawning. She knows the answer already, hence the affected yawn, which is not because of fatigue, but it is sort of a conversational technique meant to alert her father to the fact that she's bored with this particular rhetorical thread. He, of course, misses that completely. Ironsides is a literal guy and has never been particularly adept at reading or administering subtext. I love that, administering subtext. (laughs) The one where you have to go to a Christian college to find a good Christian man to marry, he replies. Because it's my duty to find one, and it's a duty I cherish. (laughs) She yawns again, and the burlap of her modest jumper rustles a bit as she rearranges her figure on the pleather sofa. If there's anything Carol Ann Ironsides hates, it's the word cherish. It always struck her as saccharine at best, creepy at worst. You're yawning a lot, he says. Tired? Must be all those hours I'm wasting studying. She replies. (laughs) (laughs) He flops onto the pleather sofa next to her and fires up an action movie that he ordered special from a niche company <laughs> that takes out all of the nudity and cuss words but leaves in the violence. Yeah. The company is based in Colorado Springs and is called Wholesome Values Action Films. He is a minority owner in the company but has never been to a shareholders meeting. <laughs> <laughs> a little page break here. Twice a month, Ironsides goes to a gun range to fire semi-automatic weapons with many of the other Christian board members at Wholesome Values Action Films. He feels vaguely guilty about purchasing a target that is an image of Osama bin Laden, which is still the gun shop's best-selling target, even though the actual bin Laden has been dead for the last few years. (laughs) There's something in that psychologically, thinks Ironsides for a fleeting moment. It may be the most genuinely interesting thought he's ever had. (laughs) but it's gone as quickly as it came, replaced by a loud crack of gunfire and a faint wisp of smoke as he unloads round after round of ammunition into the head of paper bin Laden. (laughs) Ironsides is aware that he has a great action movie name. I mean, come on, you couldn't write it any better, could you? (laughs) Ironsides figures that he's seen the clean versions of every action movie released by every studio between the years roughly 1975 and 1999 after which he thinks action movies became too nebulous as the line between good guy and bad guy became blurred and characters became more multidimensional. He blames films like Pulp Fiction for this nebulousness and thinks that if the shop offered a paper target of Quentin Tarantino, he would gladly pump a few rounds into it. (laughs) What's interesting about the thought that Ironside had before ripping into the self-same Bin Laden image that he ripped into last week 
is that quantifiably the actual bin Laden is actually dead, <laughs> meaning that his body is decaying somewhere. What's also real is the fact that here at the gun range, Ironsides has killed the image of bin Laden many times over. Twice a week, to be precise about it, he turns the little metal crank and a wire ferries the target back that has been shredded to the degree that bin Laden's bearded visage is barely visible. Aside, Ironsides' favorite scene in Die Hard is the part where John McClane shoots the guy up through the bottom of the boardroom table, right after the guy says, next time you have an opportunity to kill someone, you should take it. <laughs> to which McClane awesomely replies, thanks for the advice. <laughs> he feels sorry for the kinds of people who only like the yippie Kaye mother blanker scene, which is rendered much less impactful by WVAF's thorough editing process. <laughs> His hands always shake a little when he removes the shredded target, because deep down in his heart, a heart which has worked hard to pump years worth of chicken fried steak through his constricted <laughs> veins, he knows that what he really wants is to shoot an actual person. Oh my gosh. Yeah, some some deep stuff going on there with uh with Reverend Ironsides. We've got another uh, another section break here. Carol Ann Ironsides is seated across the dining room table from her father and an apple cheeked Christian college boy who is wearing the apple-cheeked Christian college boy uniform, which is khaki pants, a blue dress <laughs> shirt, and a yellow tie. The boy has a little bead of sweat that is formed right above his left sideburn, and Carol Ann wonders how long it will be before the bead cascades down the side of his face and drips onto his blue shirt. This is by far the most interesting thing about him. <laughs> He's here because he contacted Lewis Ironsides through a website the former had set up at www.courtcarolann.com. <laughs> The website bills itself as a, quote, potential courtship clearinghouse. Yeah. <laughs> it contains a 14-page PDF form that can be filled out and returned via a secure server. Ironsides then evaluates the applications and invites the young men to dinner, which really isn't a dinner, but is actually more of an interrogation where there is also casserole. <laughs> the PDF includes a section on dietary restrictions, and if the boy is vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, lactose intolerant, or paleo, he is immediately dismissed and sent the following form letter. Dear applicant, thank you for your interest in courting Carol Ann Ironsides. We have received many strong applicants and have decided not to further pursue your candidacy at this time. <laughs> While it's clear that courting my daughter isn't God's will for you, I'm confident that something else <laughs> is. <laughs> Soli Dea Gloria blessings in him, the Reverend Bishop Lewis Ironsides, MDiv, Demon. Wow, very, very accomplished guy there. <laughs> Okay, I like so the this three, is three the three like uh, salutations or, or sign offs. I'll get <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Solid Gloria blessings in him. <laughs> He's a thorough guy, Lewis. You know, <laughs> he leaves no stone unturned. So here's uh, here's here's the young man again uh, in conversation with Reverend Ironsides. I'm majoring in worship leader with a minor in contemporary Christian music. The boy explains. He bounces a knee furiously, although he's not conscious that he's doing it. I didn't know that was a thing you could study, Ironsides replies. And by that, I mean both of those things. <laughs> the boy is silent for a moment. They are, he says, things you can study. <laughs> Ironsides sniffs and scribbles notes in the kind of men's journal that is sold at Barnes & Noble. The kind with a leather cover and thick, knurled pages, whose edges look like they were cut with a skill chainsaw. It also has one of those things that snaps the two covers together, which is supposed to be a nod to privacy, but which Carol Ann just thinks is ostentatious. Favorite football team, asks Lewis Ironsides. 
although he can tell that he's the kind of Ponzi schoolboy whose parents wouldn't let him play, and who, <laughs> as a result, probably will say something like FC Barcelona. This is a soccer team. The boy clears his throat. <clears throat> the Denver Values, he replies. Mm. Mm. He knows that Carol Ann is a rabid Denver Values fan because he read it on the comment sections of a WordPress blog devoted to Lewis Ironsides and his quest to find a son-in-law. <laughs> he figures she likes the Values because of Ted Strongbow, evangelical heartthrob. This couldn't be further from the truth, though, as her reason for liking the Values is much more nuanced and far more scandalous. <laughs> Carol Ann estimates that these meetings happen two or three times a month, which would normally fill a girl with good sort of ego-stroking feelings of self-worth and desirability, except that the boys who fill out the PDF at www.courtcarolann.com, all one word, <laughs> don't even theoretically know who she is. They are simply boys whose parents have heard of the website via their homeschool co-ops. Oh. <laughs> it saves lives, though. It really it does. It saves lives. She estimates that a good many of the PDFs are in fact filled out by the boys' own controlling mothers, which is itself an interesting dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> but Carol Ann's chief frustration in life is, th is that the stuff she finds interesting isn't interesting to anyone else. Well, almost anybody. Herman Bovink, J.M. Boyce, J.I. Packer, C.S. Lewis, dot, dot, dot. The boy has reached the part of the interview where he's asked to list as many authors as he can off the top of his head. While he does this, Ironside scribbles furiously. Finally, Carol Ann speaks. How do you feel about Marcel Proust? Mm. And that's the end of the chapter, baby. Kind of intriguing. Kind of a cliffhanger right there. Dude, are we done meeting people? You know, I don't think we're done meeting all people, but I think we're done meeting like the, the, the bulk of the important people. I don't you think you're accurate there, man. I okay. think the next chapter is one in which we meet a particular uh, short... Ah, uh, yes. Kind of a, a, a secondary character, as it were, but a, but nonetheless a very important secondary character. I don't know. Do you think that uh, that, that he's actually a secondary character, uh, Faustus? Oh, I don't know, man. Because he's uh, he's one of the, the seven in the in the uh, Rapture Club. The Dude, that's true. Rapture I mean, maybe, I, maybe it's my own prejudice vis-a-vis -vis his, his height. That I'm that I'm dealing with, you know. <laughs> now we need to probably point out that both of these, uh, all of these characters uh, in this chapter and the next chapter are all Brad Atchison's characters. They are, yeah. Biatch did a did a fabulous job uh, sketching out these characters, and uh, and we we just got to uh, we get to bring them bring them to life here during Gut Check Literacy Month. So uh, it's good to be us, and uh, it's good to be on this program. Zach, uh, anything uh, last to say here before we sign off? No, I believe that this has been a successful show. Would you say that, in your opinion, in your estimation, uh, would you say that we've wandered to and far? Uh, I would, and it is time to piece the heck out. Oh, wow. Well, it is indeed time to do that. And for Zach, I'm Ted Cluck, and this has been the Gut Check Podcast. We will see you next time. I think we're